Welcome to Last Minute Politics. We are recording on a new day, which affects literally no one but us, but we are removing our recording days to Sundays. So hey, if you have your Sunday afternoons open and want to be a Patreon of our show, a patron of our show, give $1 over at patreon.com slash lastminutepolitics. Just type in lastminutepolitics into the Patreon search bar. We will pop up. It's got the same logo that you see on whatever streaming source or YouTube thing you're looking at right now. Give us a rating. Tell your friends. The only way that we get any kind of traction with this podcast is people telling other people about it. Absolutely. Also, uh, we also are back on YouTube. The backlog has fully been posted. There's uh, not-so-fancy animated waveforms over a background image in our furry mugs. Uh, Like and subscribe. Hit that bell. Uh, I upload the (laughs) YouTube stuff for the most part the same day as when the other podcast stuff goes out just a slight delay because it takes time to generate video i want to throw out very good update news that is very brief so we were talking about the starbucks union vote in mesa arizona that last time we talked about it they're like oh they're sending they're doing various like delays through legal technicalities that are just, oh, don't count the votes yet. Well, the vote ended up being, it was like 20-something to single digits. <laughs> like a not even close vote, just making the whole, uh, they're just doing delay tactics for the sake of delay tactics thing, just even more blatant than it already was. Uh, more locations in Buffalo, New York are also unionizing, and gee, it just sure is a trip, right? Because only a few years ago, if you asked me, like, name a good giant like monopolistic capitalist company i would have said oh starbucks seems nice they want to like send their employees to college and do all and then oh just don't ever organize your labor in a way that could possibly threaten the balance of power in our delicate (laughs) our delicate starbucks company (laughs) like seeing how much they fight unions just like anyone else should be a big old sign of like yeah there's no such thing as good companies it's like saying a good great white shark like great white sharks don't bite people because they're evil it's just what they do they're sharks and even then sharks don't for the most part bite people unless something else is going on they don't have the intelligence necessary to enact evil like evil they don't have the intelligence to be evil and most of the time if a shark attack is happening chances are humans were either doing something stupid or like sharks aren't there like jaws has set back <laughs> I, I like the pot the me at this point like especially all of our friends have the the joke is like sharks uh don't necessarily have the intelligence for evil but however dolphins are extremely intelligent and uh do way worse shit <laughs> depending on like morally dolphins really should be the villain of the ocean dolphins will will torture and kill animals <laughs> they will rape them yeah. and they have high levels of intelligence to the point where you could argue malice <laughs> yeah Corporations don't really give a shit about you as an individual. You're just part of the machine. You just need to be fed into the grinder. Well, the, the so malice is, is capitalism in that putting anything above a human life is inherently immoral, reckless, dangerous, harmful, etc. They would see the malice as doing anything bad against the money. 
Yeah, but money doesn't have cares, so like exactly. that's why it's so easy to unravel. You're making a lot of base assumptions here. <laughs> <laughs> base? We do have the base assumption that humans, uh, human life has value. <laughs> this base assumption puts me at odds with most corporations. A, a base assumption is human lives have value. A based assumption is being here is enough. <laughs> you know, our last episode was extremely like written out, and I don't want to say dour because it was an important topic we talked about going about Ukraine. Today's going to be almost like the opposite. We're going, we're back to chuckles and fucks, y'all. We. Have, <laughs> I, I mean, you say that, and then I'm looking through the headlines list, and I'm like, all of this makes my blood boil. Oh yeah, it's not fun. The news is never necessarily fun, but the way we interact with it can be a little bit less. <laughs> It can be a little more since, fun. Since uh, we have focused so much, especially as of late, on uh, not just things outside of our localities, but like outside of furry, you all might see that the latest uh, furry discourse, it's not pup hoods again, it's not under 18, it's compensation. Yeah, we have it. We have furry. We're back in our wheelhouse, everybody. Where we actually know what we're talking about. <laughs> Well, you can't ever possibly tell us we don't know what we're talking about. This is half a furry music thing and half a con leadership thing. So between the two of us, we have got this topic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right. So Furry Weekend Atlanta has stepped in it again because they are having a non-furry, it's either a DJ or musical act, not only come to their event, but they're paying for it. That alone is, we'll, we'll get into the details and nuance. Like, that doesn't make any furry con inherently bad that they would pay for a non-furry external entertainment event. We don't technically have evidence that they're receiving a paycheck, but this is the type of artist where if you did not provide an appearance before them, it's highly doubtful that they would want to do this show. Correct. Uh, similarly, everyone loves MFF and uh, used to be called Too Much Light Makes the Baby Go Blind, now Infinite Wrench. No one, for the most part, has anything negative to say about that. They are getting paid. Like, there are, there are what we're going to get into in the nuance of this is there are, there are levels. There are ways to go about it and ways not to go about it. A way not to go about it is someone asking, so not only does FUWA do this, but people that are trying to go there or participate or, you know, furry musicians, furry DJs, they're not even getting attendee badge comps. Like, they have to pay their entire way there and do not just their craft. Like, Pepper, you are a professional musician. You're going to go do your profession at a fur con and probably not get paid. That isn't inherently good or bad, but it's a, a point of reference in this discussion. When they are clearly paying for and giving badges to another group and can't even give an attending badge to the people that, the furries that actually make up the con. The leadership failure standpoint is someone responded at, to this announcement asking, they're furry, right? And they did the uh, Clawhauser... From Zootopia. From Zootopia. Yeah. Uh, they did a snarky Clawhauser image meme response, basically saying, oh, you're cute for thinking that we're spending money on furries. Hey, are they a furry musician? Oh, you're adorable. It's like, oh, so... You, you, it's like it's a middle finger. The middle finger would have been less rude, actually, if they just sent a screenshot of a middle finger. It would have been slightly less yes, rude. It was, it would have been, <laughs> it would have been more rude, but less patronizing. Sure. So, like, to, to break this into pieces, so I, so we can try to compartmentalize this conversation and like keep things on a like series of topics. Uh, in this particular case, we are talking about a DJ 
to give reference, I've seen a bunch of people going like, we don't even know who this person is. Well, the, the they go under FRND, and that's how they're being booked as. Like, that's the Twitter account that got linked to them. One that has, like, you know, a, actually fewer followers than me. It's got, like, three or 4,000 Twitter followers. And we're like, oh, is this just, like, some kind of, is this, like, a Mystery Skulls thing where it's, like, an indie artist who might have a small amount of popularity on some, like, thing of the internet? And, I don't know, maybe some furry drew in, like, an animation for them, and that's why it would be relevant to the fandom. And then you click on their Wikipedia page, and now this is Andrew Goldstein. So, okay, let's start in the year 2011. 11. Let's look at acts he's worked with. Uh, Out of Sight, The Ready Set, Neo, I know that one, Demi Lovato, Simple Plan, uh, Cody Simpson, it's going up 2014, uh, Andrew McMahon, MKTO, All Time Low, that was a bigger one for them. Uh, Britney Spears, Lindsey Sterling, Cruella with a K. Fit, am I making my point here? <laughs> uh, <laughs> all Time Low again. Where we got we got there's a Katy Perry if I didn't ever say what I'm trying to say here is we have a an entirely mainstream artist these are co-writer uh, co-producer and mixer these are like production credits so where mystery skulls people are, oh they brought in mystery skulls and people were into it you can you can kind of make the argument I would not make this argument but one could make the argument that oh well they're an indie kind of like internet niche performer and we're an internet kind of niche weirdo thing we'll pull them in and the reason they're famous was everybody saw this cartoon that happened to feature like a semi anthro like dog a fox character in it so okay this is quasi phantom relevant yeah this new person is just like this is just another gig for them on their tour and it seems very weird to simultaneously be not just providing like a comp badge or a hotel room or something but straight up like they're getting if they aren't getting paid for this like they would at any other gig that they are playing i don't understand that would show some kind that would actually maybe have some kind of respect for andrew goldstein in this case where he was like oh i just love furries and want to play at fwa so yeah yeah, i'll come in and accept the same kind of deal that all your other djs do maybe get a comp whatever and i want to play a set but it's not that it's them going after mainstream artists for like the only like logical for the for growth to try and attract more people to the convention right so it's like a ah we're gonna hire a big act to grow and then at that point it's like well why aren't we just like an anime con what is the what is the thing that makes furry cons different i would argue it's our humongous emphasis on entirely homegrown everything which started because nobody would like deal with us because we were seen as uh dangerous scary creepy people (laughs) we were dirty disgusting deviants gay we were very gay and uh queers just weren't nearly as accepted i thought i covered that by using the word deviant (laughs) yeah right we were seen as deviants so people like wouldn't even touch us and so like it, we made our own everything. We we do our own productions. We we do these huge shows that don't require your ticket masters or your like we don't end up making fucking furry fire fest because our events aren't structured like that. Our tickets are vastly too cheap for what they are. If anyone here goes to any other kind of like trade show or oh convention my gosh. experience, oh. a sixty dollar reg, regular ad, ad admission fee is woo. <laughs> Yeah, we, we are we are so inexpensive, and that is a strength that allows us to have a more it. diverse population show up. That's part of the whole experience. So if you want to attach your event, FWA, if you want to attach your event to a community that is all about homegrown artists being like self-sufficient, we are actively trying to like have these kinds of events without monetizing every single little aspect. Like we could charge the six I say we furries could charge the like sixty dollar regular ticket price and then oh to go to this event, it's another ten dollars. Oh, it's five dollars for a fursuit photo. Oh, it's five dollars for and when I say fursuit, I'm like 
picture with X fursuit because like that's how every other con works. You like charge for signatures, charge for photos. We could nickel and dime and just become an anime con. We could become Dragon Con, and there's nothing wrong with those cons, but they're kind of a different idea. You buy admission, you go to a thing, kind of like fucking Disney World. Uh, they're, you pay they're, for the they're also you explicitly for profit. A uh, Gen Con, my favorite yes. gaming con. The biggest issue I rub up against it is it's not just the biggest gaming convention. It long ago was corrupted by profit and has largely been that way ever since. A lot of the OGs that made up Gen Con haven't gone for a very long time because of things like that. So when you do make a change towards that type of event, it's not just, oh, well, we want to do this now. You're basically, you're building off this intangible goodwill and blood, sweat, and tears that people put into it so you can make money on it later, and it never has to do with the people that made the event worthy of going to to begin with. If a co-writer, co-producer of a Maroon 5 song wants to play a set, they can just play a set. <laughs> there is absolutely no restrictions put on them anywhere. No club is going to say, well, can you prove that you should be playing at this club? Furry shit only happens, for the most part, at furry cons. Do you see the point I'm making with this? <laughs> like, I am as close as you can get to, like, a mainstream, like, I'm the most successful furry musician, whatever the fuck that actually stands for. I can't play bars for free most of the time because I don't have any name recognition. I don't, like, know the owner, whatever. I can't play mainstream shows without just putting a ton of my own money on the line because, like, mainstream shows usually end up being pay-to-play ones. If you are a person who is a co-writer, co-producer for Black Bear and have multiple uh, certified platinum and gold hits, do you need the institutional support of the furry fandom in order to further your career? I hope the point I am making is clear. And if it isn't, uh, the answer is no, they don't need furry. <laughs> in fact, every time uh, drama comes up, drama, I fucking hate that word, I hate that I just said it, anyway. Anytime something <laughs> comes up, uh, a popular cyclic furry discourse thing is artists in Artist Alley and Dealer's Den uh, having various issues with conventions because a lot of those people in there have either just figured out or, you know, the furry convention circuit is part of how they actually make their living. And anytime that friction comes up, the convention... A, a convention tends to fall back on, and I have had to fall back on parts of this, the event, a furry con isn't put on to allow furry artists to make their living. We give space to it because they are part of us, and that is the right thing to do and is part of our interests, but the convention isn't created in service of letting people live, but we do try and support it. So to have an external moneyed act take time away from people that already are struggling and doing the hustle, this is where you get these frictions and contradictions. It's just another stop on their tour. They're just playing a, a very, for them, it's going to be a highly enjoyable gig because like nobody's going to heckle for, is there a very kind audience? There'll be fursuits around though. I'm sure they'll have a fantastic time. 
And if someone like this wants to perform at FWA, I think they should be allowed to, but they should get the exact same deal as every other furry performer at the thing. They should have to submit to the DJ fucking panel, and they should have the possibility of saying, I don't really like your set, sorry. <laughs> and like, yeah, and then, absolutely. And they should have, and I should. I want to say have to, as if it's something like insulting and shitty. It's not. If you're in the spirit of furry cons, like you just described, it is not a, I don't play fur cons because I expect a paycheck i have never once in my life received an appearance fee or asked for an appearance fee for any furry convention of any kind ever anywhere or any other kind of convention but like to be fair like if fucking dragon con was like come play a show i'd be like give me 200 bucks wow all fucking greedy of pepper 200 no 200 bucks <laughs> plus travel plus food plus because remember they're for profit the, the board I, I don't know about dragon con so but Gen Con, for example, <laughs> Pepper, you do a bunch of video game and gaming-related stuff. It is entirely possible that Gen Con would want you to do a set like that. They are for profit and, like, make oodles of money. Their whole business model but is Gen set up Gen Con is the reason Indianapolis gets huge amounts of income every year. Yeah, they have a business model that is you buy ticket to a show with XYZ, either famous people, famous acts. Like, you go... For anime cons are here are the 12 voice actors that we paid a grand each to be here this weekend and then you get the the ability to get in a big line and pay another ten dollars to get a signature from them or whatever which is fine you can structure your cons however you want without fundamentally restructuring how your furry con works you can't just start adding in ingredients from the way the other cons works i want to contrast with why because you say you're like nobody has a problem with uh too much light makes the baby go blind what's their actual name now they, they are now the infinite Futurists. they are still technically all part of the neo-futurists last i was aware like that's the group name there's the troop in chicago and i think there's a troop or like the founder or something in new york and the show name the 30 plays in 60 minutes, that show was called Too Much Light Makes the Baby Too Go Blind. Light. And I think the founding neo-futurist, uh, like, the group didn't own that. He owns that name and wanted to do something. I don't know. I, I don't know any of the details other than the sole owner of that name wants to do something else with it. It is now called Infinite Wrench. So this is an improv troupe. It is not a DJ. So they are in a... There's a improv a couple, slash a couple sketch little... comedy. Like they clearly write and rehearse. Yeah, they're good. Like I'm not. I'm not trying to act like the lack of ability or lack of like delivery of the product is in any way the issue. Uh, a couple of things I want to. Th I do not know the like payment area with them. With with fr with Andrew Goldstein, it's like yeah, he's coming out to do the thing he does normally in his job as a DJ. Said I'm sure there's just a parent thing. I don't know for a fact that the uh, that this acting troupe is straight up paid, like handed a check. But you said like, oh, no one has a problem with that. Personally, if they're getting handed a check in the same way that this uh, that uh, this DJ uh, is going to be, or we assume will be, I do have a problem with that. What I just said about DJs, if you want to come and bring your acting troupe and do a big set on a humongous stage for a large amount of people, uh, you should get the same deal <laughs> that 
conflict of interest the drag it show gets that alkaline and them get because that motherfucker shows up and does like 12 hours of entertainment in a three-day weekend at every con and he absolutely does not get a fucking paycheck no none whatsoever. he does get like admission to the event uh maybe a comped hotel room which may or may not be shared with various other staff people to save money which i that's kind of in the spirit of fucking furries isn't it not fucking furries but furries yeah kind of in the spirit of furries isn't it <laughs> and you know other stuff like that like oh here you can come to the dinner for free like that's your compensation or whatever like if they are willing to accept that same deal then yes have them and i believe morally if we're going to be consistent and principled i think they should get that too i would have the exact same issue with bringing in an acting troupe however there aren't like 95 fucking acting troops who are all auditioning for the six acting troop slots in no, every the, the difference like, between DJs. DJs is a pile of djs <laughs> there is as far as i'm aware there is in furry and outside of furry, there's no one actually doing what they do. Uh, they also, it's not just that there's some troop. They are incredibly queer and they are Chicago local. So like... Then they should want to support our event in their queerness and just out of the goodness of their queer hearts, shouldn't they? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So let's get, let's get into the convention running side of things. Uh, the audience at large, the attendees, do not actually get to say other than... You know, complaints, suggestions, no. and voting with their dollars. Did they or did they not go to the event? There are countless decisions made behind the scenes where money goes from the furry event to non-furry entities to get the job done. And this is while knowing there are furry entities that could do it, but it's not so cut and dry. Uh, you, the furry entities might have too long of lead times. Uh, pers- I'm not going to name names, but there is one change behind the scenes at First Squared where we're going from a furry maker of a swag thing to a non-furry maker for something else just because, well, business was business and we had a difficult relation and we want to try someone else. Like, the event still has to happen. In the case of stage time, that is, there, there's always going to be stage things. But what we're starting to get to is, okay, it's about our performers getting paid or not, and should they? And the next topic that comes up is a lot of people say, DJs, musicians, artists, well, of course they should get paid. All right, I'm going to use me as an example. I have written software for countless conventions. Uh, when I was offering a cheaper rate and doing custom software solutions as a contractor, the cheapest hourly rate I ever gave was $75 an hour. So if other people, if suddenly everyone's getting paid, well, why not me? Now, in my personal case, the answer is, well, I, I do have a day job and I don't need to. But that doesn't take away from the sheer amount of hours and effort I put in. AV. Not only do conventions pay for the audiovisual component, but there is a shitload of volunteering that goes into it. In particular, uh, Fur wrote a little thread doing some spitball math on Biggest Little Fur Con 2021 and their AV department. Uh, I'd love if you summarize some of those numbers quickly. Yeah, so the IATSE rate for a stagehand is... IATSE, seven- the people who are going on strike, and then they ended their strike over not actually meeting any of their demands. Yep. Uh, continue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, a stagehand is $73.32 an hour, 146 after midnight. Events ran from 2 p.m. to 3 a.m. every day of BLFC. Uh, there's time and a half for days over eight hours and double time after midnight. 
That's $7,500, $7,500 per stagehand to operate the main ballroom alone. The leads would make more, but we're not doing that math for this spitball. Uh, it appears there were maybe 18 staffers during closing ceremonies, bringing the labor cost of the main ballroom to $135,000. For their secondary events, forty-five hundred per person. Multiply that by four, and you get eighteen thousand total labor for just those two rooms. One hundred and fifty-four thousand dollars, and that's with conservative estimates. There were four thousand seven hundred attendees at BLFC. So your base standard attending badge at this lowball estimate for just AV and not paying anyone else your badge price would go up $33 a ticket. So you're talking, with these lowball estimates, your attending badge is $100. And realistically, it would be more if we really did the math. And this is not for the, everyone. This is just for, like, the two big rooms. Yes. Furcons are about as anarcho-socialist as it gets, and we continue to run into friction because the space we participate in is all capitalism. The hotels, I, Pepper, have you ever been in a hotel negotiation meeting? I've never actually been in the meeting, but I know a little more about how that seems to work with cons than most just from hearing <laughs> from all the people who are in those, like you. Yeah, every step of the way, like the, the foundation of every fur con, and this is different depending on the individual hotel and the relations with it, but especially if you're at a hotel that is owned by a massive chain, it's the hotel's job to get you to spend as much as possible and give you as little as possible. They need their margins. So right away, your executive level of your, hotel, of your convention is looking at budgets going, well, fuck, we have less budget this year because this is what we negotiated with the hotel. And to even have a starting point of having an event, our event space and food and beverage budget grew $5,000. That's happened to countless events. That money has to come from somewhere that has to be taken out of elsewhere in the budget. Part of what is fantastic about Furcons is everyone is doing this and just kind of figuring it out and talking to each other and still making it happen without price gouging our attendees. Hey, a word that gets thrown around a lot here. Uh, dialectical materialism. What's the first half of that? Dialectics. The idea that two things can be true at the same time and that maybe like looking at the interaction between those two things that are truth can somehow can also sometimes lead you to like a higher, you can synthesize them into a higher form of truth, like actually figuring shit out. So that whole big intro bit where we're talking about how, how like, well, fur cons are kind of on a spirit of like, we go, we do this thing all ourselves or like homegrown things and that you're now going to like, let's wave money at mainstream acts to further mainstream. Like that all that we that whole part of the conversation uh can be compelling and true and the thing that dragor just said the fact that uh actually paying everyone who does work for cons what that work is worth is economically unfeasible with the current way that like financially uh cons are set up that can also be true so like where do, how, where do we square the two of these things being true and i have a proposal 
for a thing that most cons could do without changing their entire economic structure, meaning like we're just raising a bunch of ticket prices and going full mainstream for-profit. All right, let's take out some radio ads. 5% off fucking Wegmans if you get a ticket to BLFC. (laughs) Become like every other, become like Coachella. Become like, I I was going to say Burning Man, but I'm like, no, Burning Man actually isn't like that. Burning Man is its own, it's kind of like furry cons, actually, (laughs) from what I've heard. I've not been to Burning Man, but hey. Uh, there is a con or a group of cons that we all may have heard of known as Corgi events <laughs> or <laughs> now known as AEIOU, even though Corgi, the person is still on the board and financially benefiting from the organization. Treble. That is the, true. the name is Treble. Treble. You know, the guy, the, the, the Corgi, the fraudman. <laughs> I love that F- fraud enthusiast treble <laughs> is still a a big part of AEIOU, meaning that they still like because ha- they have like ownership over all these various things. And I don't know, I don't. Let's, let's skip the conversation where I pretend I have any idea what the fuck you're actually supposed to do about that because uh, they put out an announcement like, starting at Golden State Furcon. I, I'm assuming in response to the to the FWA tweeting uh, that they will now be comping DJ badges and a couple and a couple other things like they're going to give them like uh, the DJ pass which doesn't like skip the line to various you know they're putting a couple of perks uh specifically perks that do not cost the convention any money on their dj stuff and that i actually like this yes. if you were going to ask me pepper solve this it's not that i think everyone at the con should be brought up to the same level of pay that outside performers require it is that outside performers should be required to conform to the same kind of deal everyone else gets and the deal everyone else gets if you're a dj let's say this this is me just spitballing after thinking about it for like i don't know an hour djs always get a comp badge because jesus christ duh how much does it cost your convention to take the piece of plastic put the name on it and hand it to someone so to, a badge uh, let, costs let, me, let me interrupt $50. there a little bit because this is near and dear to me and as well as alkali <laughs> oh, because we've seen countless conventions fuck this up uh what is the cost so not just the piece of plastic that's immaterial you already were going to buy all of those materials so you're talking about <laughs> supplies for batches of attendees on the order of oh no our 4,001st attendee showed up and we don't have materials that ain't how that shit works we're going to costco on purpose because we need the bulk the cost of an attending badge to any event is zero never forget this if anyone tries like especially if in a like a con runner tries to tell you otherwise uh, they're that they're lying and or coercing to get you to conform. That's eighty dollars in opportunity cost, which isn't actual fucking cost. This is the same goddamn uh thing we've been talking about since Napster. You can't prove that someone was going to buy your goddamn CD when instead they torrented it. The reality is they just wouldn't have listened to it. Period. For the most part, the same thing is true of fur conventions. The people that are going to show up are going to show up. And, you know, your trending and growth is because of word of mouth and what your statistical majority talk about at con. An external entity that was never going to show up to your fur con to begin with, it costs you zero dollars to say, here's a badge. Now, when you go with the higher tiers, your sponsor and super sponsor, that uh, does have cost. And this is the other thing I wanted to bring up. Fur conventions thrive this is not a joke you've heard heard alkali say it you've heard uncle kage say it you've heard me say it and a bunch of other convention leadership especially at the sponsor and super sponsor dinners or whatever they're called 
Those badges, when you buy a super sponsor or you buy a sponsor badge, you are not buying better swag. You are not buying a dinner. You are not putting any of that money towards something you know you the individual are getting that is worth that badge. You are instead choosing to go above and beyond for whatever reason you have to spend more of your money and means on this event because you like it, you believe in it, and you know you're going to get a little bit extra, but you're not, it's not a transaction. If attending is $50 and super sponsor is $150, those super sponsors are not expecting to get $150 of value. This isn't like going into a Best Buy. They are actually funding significant portions of the event. The majority of the sponsor and super sponsor, those margins, if, if everyone suddenly transitioned to 85% attendee, that would kill countless events or they would have to severely scale back because that's how the budgets are. So to continue what, I, what like Pepper's version of how things, I guess, should be without having to restructure and raise prices and all that stuff. Uh, DJ should be obviously given like b- basic attendee badges. Uh, it's really messed up to expect somebody to do at least an hour of work for your thing and then pay for the privilege to do it. If you really want to be dicky, you can give them the one day pass for the day they're having their show on <laughs> if you really want to split hairs. But hey, uh, that's up to you, conventions. Uh, I would suggest like because then people will go to, well, they should all get their travel and rooms and like every single aspect of their thing comped. And that depending on the con and depending on the number of DJs and performers in general may then enter into unfeasible territory. However, one thing I do know about hotel contract negotiations is that a whole bunch of them, a common thing that will be part of those negotiations are we sell X number of rooms, therefore you get X number of comped room days. So I don't think it would be that out of the that out of the cards for many conventions to have my proposition, which is like the DJ room or rooms, a room that is available for, you know, d- depending on what your contract is, however many people can fit in the room. Like, hey, I want to come perform. Let's make this cheap. Cool. We're going to take all like four DJs and put you all in this one room. So instead of getting four separate rooms, we're only doing one single comp room oh, for yeah. the entire weekend. For like things that do not, they're usually part of your contract where for every, I don't know, thousand room nights you sell, you get this many room nights free, which is how the cons usually get their staff rooms, uh, GOH rooms, stuff like that. There's ways to make it so it doesn't necessarily cost the cost of the room. These are things that the cons can't, like airline tickets, no. <laughs> None of the cons have like deals with United or whoever who are like, yeah, just give us some free flights like that. That become that gets like farther out of reach, and then you just simply have to go after DJs who are maybe driving distance or extremely local, which is like a good thing. Hey, more local people. Yes. Why not? Like these are the kinds of things that I would not bankrupt a con to do, but would fucking revolutionize some people's lives and their ability to get there. Like right now, uh, realize, and I put this in. I put did a big old tweet thread about this, so my opinions out there. All of my complaints are about. Every furry musician who isn't me, actually. What I'm describing is the deal that I get at cons. When I say I've never gotten an appearance fee, what I have gotten from many, many cons, especially ones with tiny, tiny budgets who I know like, could easily be using these resources and other things. Uh, shout out to freaking Method Fur Meat in particular. Ooh, they're so, so nice, and I, I love that con, and I love the people who run it, and it means so much to their community. Uh, 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 plane ticket, hotel room, admission fee, 
a dealer table. That is what I get at absolute most from any convention. The bigger the convention, the less, the, the smaller that list becomes because uh, like MFF absolutely will not ever, 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 ever pay for my flight. They will never, ever, ever give me a comp dealer table. They will never, ever, ever uh, and, pay and for my hotel. And they have the <laughs> most means. They could do this have more and not change a goddamn thing. They have too many comp room nights. The biggest cons have the most resources when it comes to the things I just described. Hotel rooms, maybe like sandwiches from the hotel, like stuff like that. Stuff that doesn't actually cost the con directly money that isn't a paycheck per se, but it allows you to attend the con for as close to free as possible. And then if you add the little merch table idea, maybe during the DJ sets on the side of the room, we have like three tables, like at actual shows, where the, where the DJs are standing there with like, ah, oh, buy my stickers, pins, shirts, commissions, CDs, whatever the fuck. Like, here's a place where you can have an opportunity to try to make some of your money back. Like, we can't pay you, but we're going to make it free for you to at least attempt to make some of your money. And that is what I, the biggest music act in the entire furry fandom get if I beg and plead. I don't think everyone should be put in my situation. I'm not ungrateful. That's the only reason I have any kind of career. No, it as as everything we do, the contradiction is obvious and in front of us. Why do the small cons get it right and the big ones don't? It's small cons want a show. So they'll be like, hey, drag it people. Hey, Pepper. Hey, whoever. We're going to make it free. Please come here and do your act. But they aren't doing that for just anybody. They're doing it for fandom acts. Yes. The bigger people get due to the fact that we live under the capitalist economic mode of production, it is growth at all costs. You're either growing or you're dying. So I know why FWA does this kind of shit. I know why big cons do this kind of shit. Because if they're growing, if they're getting more people every year, then they aren't uh, running out of money. That's just how it is. And you can either lend yourself to growth at all costs, bring in whoever the fuck, and give them whatever they want. We just need to sell more tickets. And then your event just becomes like many other kinds of events. Well, and that's, a, that, that's another thing, though, where like people are ascribing that as that's how it must be and furry cons year after year prove no you can be stable you can plan a budget you can p even plan for eh, we went down 10 percent this year and still have an event again next year and either remain stable or grow there are events that are largely stable that have a continual 25 percent new attendees every year because well, people keep growing up and coming into furry and want to try the local event. So, like, growth at all cost is not a given other than, like, we're taught it. It's just shitty when you see people going for it. It stands out so much in yeah. furries. That's why we're even talking about this. If we were another fan, imagine if anime cons were like, can you believe they brought in a non-weeaboo act? <laughs> That's all they do. Anime cons go to conventions so other people can stand on a stage and go, ah, fuck you, anime fans. And they go, yeah, <laughs> we love you. Like, <laughs> I'm, uh, I couldn't even name a fucking celebrity. I'm Q and I'm here to tell you how much I hate all of you. <laughs> it's a Star Trek. Uh, John Delancey. <laughs> I'm John Delancey, and I want all the bronies' money. Give it to me. <laughs> Sorry, that's a that's a time that's a story for another time. John Delancey did like a media. I don't know if it, like he was in charge of it, but he like kind of sort of did a medium level grift on bronies one time. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, it's fine. John Delancey's, I like Q as a character. I don't know about John Delancey as a person when it comes to fandom integrity. I don't know about that, but I do know he is a very, very, very strong uh, rational movement proponent. So you know me. Anyone who's uh, into that, science-based, anti-theist, fuck yeah. Okay. Is there anything we haven't covered in this topic? I think it's been thoroughly addressed. (laughs) Uh, the big thing is place been made clear when you suggest this type of stuff to conventions if you immediately come across as hostile they tune you out why because people cry bully at, at conventions constantly it really like you do have to suggest things in a positive way the best way is to try and get involved uh conventions especially post covid first squared especially inclusive Everyone is down staff. Every convention I have been to, yeah. the staff are frazzled, and it's difficult. Please. They're also down please. programming. Volunteer. Join staff. Make it better. Uh, a lot of conventions actually do have the ability to do the badge comps, and it might just be lack of experience or having someone to organize internally and do that job. Uh Yo, you know, the- I was at a con I was playing a show at for free, which is every single con you see me at. If anyone ever tells you I get a paycheck, tell them, uh, nana nana boo boo. <laughs> I don't know what to tell them. I was going to say something mean, but I'm like, no, nah, I don't say anything mean. Uh, freaking A. I was at a convention I was playing at for free. And I would go up, I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm supposed to get a badge. And, like, I ended up having a staff person just fucking, like, literally laugh in my face at the suggestion that I, because I'm doing XYZ amount of programming, they're like, no, no, they said they're going to give me a badge. And uh, what did I do? Did I say I demand to see the manager? No, I just fucking paid for my badge, went on, played for free, and had the rest of my weekend. <laughs> no, you should have actually been a stick in the mud on that. It was a few years ago. It was before I knew. Time we're like, all right, get the guy. I'm like, have him come down and tell me themselves. <laughs> and have your phone ready and recording. <laughs> if the concert, if the concert, no, I wouldn't do that. If the concert tells me I have to pay, I'll fucking pay. Whatever. And then later I'll be like, give me beer. <laughs> you better fucking put some beers in my hand, or this, <laughs> this show only runs on beers because it doesn't <laughs> run on money. <laughs> Final aspect of this because okay. the, the criticism I see coming around for FRND, the person who, the outside uh, mainstream artist with multiple uh, writing and producing credits on like and gold and platinum I, albums. People were tweeting saying they also support and do that NFT and crypto bullshit, yes. which, by the way, this is where we make your convent, ask your conventions their crypto and NFT policy. First Squared is very upfront with it. You will not promote, sell, or do anything with it. If you do, your table and badge will be revoked immediately and you will not be asked back. There are situations where you might want to make the moral stand of like the particular one specific issue with this person is is crypto. In this case, be materialist about your thing. In this particular instance, them being called in to do a DJ thing has unless they start advertising the NFTs in the middle of their set, right, which right. damn that would be really funny. It doesn't actually have anything to do with that. So like and even if they were not supporters of NFTs, they, I would have the exact same issues. None of the issues I just described have anything to do with their support or lack of support for crypto or NFTs. Bringing in outside acts, the only reason that guy had prized the access to an endorsement deal from NFTs is because he is already deeply embedded with institutional support yeah. from the mainstream music industry. Furry musicians do not have the opportunity to accept or decline brand deals involving NFTs and crypto because we are not offered them in the first place. It is yet another pile on the evidence 
thing that this is not the kind of act that we need to be putting the tiny bit of furry institutional support that exists behind. Put it behind our own people, or what's the point of calling your con a furry con? Stop associating your your fucking for-profit money-making operation with our fandom. Uh, we're going to try this again, our second time ever. Headlines. I'm going to share a bunch of links. I've got some copy I've written around it. We'll see how I read it. Uh, Pepper and chat, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's a work in progress. Uh, this is from... So it's it, the link I shared, it is a blog post to a press release that is from Germany and in German. So I'm taking all of this with a grain of salt that other people have done the translations for me. Uh, so coming from a press release and translation, approximately the EU will make it mandatory to use customer replaceable batteries. That is with standard tools, no hot gluing, no weird <laughs> screw types, no etc. on all household items. Uh, I invite everyone to look around or think about in their own lives, uh, where they experience unnecessary waste and disposability. In particular, uh, you know, weed is quite popular, and the number one thing that has come out of that are the vape cartridges and batteries. None of those batteries are serviceable. Uh, no one, there is no recycling or trade going on. All of those cartridges are plastic or glass with metal bits in them that are all just getting oh, thrown glass away. And metal. <laughs> Come on, the glass and metal. <laughs> uh, I. We, we, when I say we, at the very least, like, societies all over ha used to have an infrastructure set up around he milk was, delivery and glass the bottles. the Milkman. You may have heard of them. <laughs> if you've watched, I mean, a lot of people don't know that this was a thing. So, uh, you know, refrigerators used to be called ice boxes. They were insulated things. You would get a giant fucking brick of ice delivered to you. You'd put it in the ice box. And that's how a lot of people did cooling. Milk. It had to stay chilled. Uh, it would when it got delivered, you had to be home to receive it to make sure you put it into that fresh chilled environment because you don't when want the milk to curdle. You don't want you anyone had your to refrigerated die. little ice uh, box glass. for the milk that he would then put it in. Then you would get like transfer it. Yes. <laughs> and part of this exchange was when the milkman or milk person came by, you'd fuck. You em. were giving back the empty bottles. Everything was standardized. If you go away to the far off. The far-off utopia of Mexico, you will see the exact same practice done with soda bottles. So we, why, my, my question or thought is, why did that system go away and now we have disposability and pollution in place when instead we could have evolved that system to encompass the entire... Take the idea of the milkman and then apply that in a very complicated and exaggerated fashion to the Amazon Infrastructure and Delivery and Fulfillment Network. What does that look like? How would things be different? If Amazon boxes were not all meant to be disposable shit cardboard, and we were actually doing a standard set of containers that could, you know, be invested in to prevent breakage and such. Oh, you get some big, thick-ass glass. How much would we get rid of needless waste? You know, the frickin' retornable glass bottles are banging. They're like... Boom. 
inch thick glass. Yeah. I fucking love it. Glass is so sterilizable. You just take it, you blast a bunch of boiling water into it, and you fucking go again. There is no reason why we can't just refill this Coke bottle with more Coke or more beer or more milk, whatever. Like, glass technology <laughs> exists, and single-use plastics are just so fucking frustrating. I mean, with exclu- excluding all of the, like... I guess uh, travel the uh, let's medical right to it. uses. The yeah, medical, medical uses. The medical field is always going to favor disposability because if you have your choice between reuse it and maybe you kill a patient, or we have more trash and you never kill a yeah. patient, I'm it's, gonna go with disposability. It's the only sector where single-use plastics. I'm like, yeah, they can. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> they could probably keep burning those for a while. But when I get a goddamn quarter pound of ham, it shouldn't come with 15 different <laughs> disposable plastic wrappers. <laughs> Maybe one, one disposable plastic wrapper. All right. I think this is the only, uh, this is one of two uh, Ukraine related things I am sharing. Uh, so. You may not know this, but there are other search engines other than Google, and one that I use called DuckDuckGo, uh, especially for text searches, tweeted, Like so many others, I am sickened by Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the gigantic humanitarian crisis it continues to create. At DuckDuckGo, we've been rolling out search updates that downrank sites associated with Russian disinformation. <laughs> and at a surface level, fine, right? my gut reaction is, well, that's that's... Probably look, Dragor. When good, China does this shit, it's bad, creepy, totalitarian, authoritarian, whatever word you want to say. But when the U.S. does it, as just business, well, baby. <laughs> well, let me let me let me color this with the the tech informed yeah, view. Uh, because of malware, this is actively happening all the time and must happen all the time. Uh, before this happened, we all remember how computers. You know, your parents' computers or your grandparents' computers being, you know, riddled with more viruses than a bareback fur con. Yeah, but I'm the one who put them there. Yay, that was Because <laughs> I was, was a dumb bad. computer uh, user. <laughs> so those things are already happening. Uh, selection and dealing with your page rank for what you want to promote is always going on. What it is in service to is what is in play here with this tweet. So do you want your algorithm to promote any site that effectively is clickbait, or do you want your algorithm to promote actual research and journalism? That would, that, if you want to promote, if you want to focus on actual research and journalism, disinformation will inherently be part of being downranked because that is your goal. What's going on here with this article that I want to call out is, this is no different than advertising. DuckDuckGo Google, Microsoft, Yahoo, they're all already doing this. So why is it suddenly we have this? Google and Apple Pay shutting off with no warning in all of Russia. How many times have we talked about individuals, people that have no power and no say, now can't live? I'm not saying that we shouldn't be vigilant against fighting digital disinformation. We have to be a lot better about it. But this tweet amounts to advertising and is weaponizing and making light of the fact that people are dying in another country to boost a search engine. What? what? 
Let's say, Why? which angle would you like to approach us from first? We can talk about like what is who gets to decide what disinformation even is. Because if we were back a few years ago and they were like, hey, uh, they don't have WMDs in Iraq, you would have absolutely been labeled as disinformation and as a fucking a lover of Saddam or whatever. If you had been a person a few years ago who said that the people in Palestine are not indeed a bunch of like high-powered neo-Nazi super soldiers that are about to defeat the the nation of uh of Israel, they are in Israel. fact a 51% under 18 because they keep killing all of the adults refugee camp that is just fucking like it's like a fish in a barrel that Israel walks up to and shoots at once a day. And if you said anything but that a few years ago, you would have been labeled as disinformation. Then there's the layer oh, yeah. of the kind of what you were like going for for a second ago is just the sheer level of hilarious virtue signaling coming from various companies who are like, we fucking hate all Russians also. Buy our shit, buy our shit, buy our shit. Look at us. We hate Russians even more than you. Shut up. Buy our shit, buy our shit, buy our shit. Like, it is so fucking cynical. If we are able to identify that GE throwing on a rainbow logo for Pride Month is just like horseshit virtue signaling <laughs> nonsense, maybe we could agree that GE going support Ukraine. It's like GE, holy fuck, you make a ton of money whenever we make bombs. Maybe you have a vested interest in this conflict continuing and becoming as expensive and as arms heavy as possible. Maybe if we're going to start labeling uh, like various national, like, oh, this is blank state media. This is blank state media. How come the only one that ever comes up is Russian state media? Why is U.S. state media not labeled? Better thing, why is U.S. capitalist media not fucking labeled? Every time. Yeah, every, Was every Washington Post article yes. should say this Bezos was bought and state paid media. for by Jeff Bezos and the CT. This is Bezos state media. This is fucking GE state media. This is BP state media. Those are the people who actually own these fucking papers. And we are extremely ready to run out and go, oh, look at the influence on this paper that isn't from America. But anything from America, we're just like, la, 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 la. These are our... our our loved institutions, the New York Times, we must believe them. And if you don't believe the New York Times, what are you, a terrorist? <laughs> like, shit is so No, dumb. if you don't believe the New York Times, you get called a conservative Fox News-loving Trump. Which is... Woo. Damn it, I shouldn't say... I'm <laughs> sorry, edit that, bleep it, something. Fuck! Oh. <laughs> that suffix is hard to unlearn, because I'm used to like, oh, you, we don't say the R word, and my brain goes, isn't an R word. Fuck! All right, uh... We're going we're gonna to power through these last ones because I got a few more and that one, the, the DuckDuckGo one, whoa, made me angry. Okay, uh, I posted the link already. Uh, Senator Toomey is adding, wants to add a provision that bans the United States Postal Service from doing any banking. Uh, we've actually talked about how that was the United States Postal Service for the long time was the lowest barrier of entry to allow someone to get a bank account, a requirement to live under capitalism. This also includes money orders, which the USPS currently sells $21 billion, with a B, Jesse, per year. Uh, my only real commentary on this is, of course this is happening, because the Democrats do nothing to build up protections against these types of attacks. It should be recognized, okay, so Toomey is against the USPS uh, helping very poor people get a free checking account, but Toomey is very much in support of him and his friends in Congress being able to continue legally insider trading on the stock market. Carry Correct. on. <laughs> <laughs> the 
This is our shitty bourgeois uh, government. You should never listen to anything they say. It's a bunch of assholes. Not that they're all the same kind of asshole, but they are in support of the same group of extremely rich bourgeois assholes who are their actual constituents. So, yeah. Uh, to anyone in the chat, don't dogpile on the, the tweet I linked. Uh, this is just an example of essentialism and erasure. Uh, the tweet says, I think the best part about your vaccine requirement is that it also serves as a minimum IQ for entry. Fucking hell. Correlating vaccine status with IQ is a red flag on so many levels. Yes, requiring vaccine and mask mandates selects for cooperative social behavior and selects against a baseline level of antisocial behavior that we've been witnessing. We have all met or talked to an anti-masker. They exist. These requirements keep them away, both from a social standpoint and just from a straight-up safety standpoint. It doesn't remove the fact that there are people who are unvaccinated that cannot get it, and like with all medical prejudice, prejudice systemically and socially in the United States, they are erased. Uh, there is still an entire class of people that, because of ICE, you know, things that all liberals seem to hate that Biden still funds— uh, people haven't gotten vaccinated because they're afraid of getting tagged by ICE and getting deported and in the process of being deported, not getting the vaccine and getting COVID anyway. These are real people here, some, many of which, you know, they're, they, were, they didn't even qualify for DACA. So they've been here since what? They were five, eight years old. They're illegal immigrants. They're at risk of getting deported and they can't safely go get a fucking vaccine. Ah, Vaccine status does not correlate to IQ. God damn it. Yeah, IQ was is originally and has consistently been used as a justification for eugenics and to prove that certain races are stupider than other races. So seeing anyone who wants to be anywhere near the fucking left bringing up IQ at all is like, oh, you don't know shit about fuck. You're just here saying dumb things in public. Good job. Keep doing it. Uh, this is another terrible one. Idaho's house just passed HB 675. It would make providing gender-affirming care to trans teens a felony. And it, there's all sorts of stuff to it. It's uh, similar to the Texas bill and everything. Again, another example of Republicans pass whatever they want. This is clearly, like, anyone can look at it. Lawyers are looking at it going, oh, well, this is going to get struck down. It's unconstitutional. <laughs> this in no way dissuades them from trying and doing the religious horseshit that they want. The Democrats never do anything like this for us. What if they just threw out, what if Democrats did the same kind of shit and just a very, not that it would be wrong, but a very unconstitutional, but who cares, like a rent control bill. All right, all the Democrats in California just said the maximum rent you can possibly charge for one bedroom is $500. Boom, go deal with that shit in the Supreme Court, assholes, but they'll never do that. Why? Why? Actually think about why. <laughs> who do they serve? Who are their constituents? People who own properties that they want to fucking rent. It's not that they're the same party. They just serve the same interest who are the bourgeois class. They do not serve any of the, like, if you're a worker, they don't care about you. Not because, like, personally they don't care about your, like, various identity signifiers. You are of a class that they do not care about. A class that they are not willing to take any kind of shot to try and help, let alone a fucking moonshot. Meanwhile, they're allowed to do this fucking, like, what does this bill actually do? Does this bill make fewer gay people exist? <laughs> like, this is yeah, a, because it kills. Well, them. I mean, it, okay, in a very literal sense, if you start attacking people, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this bill, and I don't, 
it's not I don't call it a virtue signal bill because it doesn't do anything. It's going to put a lot of people in danger. But it's a virtue signal bill because it doesn't do anything positive for anybody. It doesn't like people who agree with this bill aren't going to have lower rent or gas prices or more food access or medical care or educational access because of this shitty bill. All it does is they get to go, ha ha, I live in a state that doesn't like gays. Hooray. All right. Uh. I posted the next one. This is the other Ukraine-related one, but it shows up every so often. Uh, There is a linked article in the tweet, which I did go and read, but the tweet alone is why it caught my attention. Experts say kids in war zones are at increased risk of anxiety and depression. Uh, USA propaganda is so sinister in how it gets its message across while being indirect. Uh, Who are these experts? When you actually click through the article, there is a hyperlink around the phrase mental health And if you actually follow that, it takes you to an alerts listing on the ABC News page. Not, like, resources or definitions or anything, just a link to suck you into their site and basically doom-scroll mental health alerts. Uh, Every single suggestion in the article would result in failing grades if applied to the United States in any measure, but it goes unnoticed. This also invites the reactionary position of, if kids in war are at increased risk of anxiety and depression, but you have all of these stories of kids who come out of terrible situations as strong, bold individuals, the reactionary take is, well, a strong kid doesn't get stuck with that. All of this from one sentence. There is nothing tangible in there. Nothing in... It is full of these platitudes of, you should give support to your kids. And the things that they in large part describe are actively under attack in our school system every single day here. It, it is, it, it's just fascinating to me how naked and apparent it's, hey, we should do things. Okay. I, I love the awkward silence after that because that's how I feel every time when I read one of these fucking articles. Well, my, my, I'm internally curious because I, I think it would be a, this one would be a good combo into the ADHD one. I don't know if that's the one you had next or not. But I, I wanna, uh, the ADHD one was next. I want to talk about them both. And the by same next, time. I mean I was going to do it next, but I don't have it in the correct order. Uh, this is from Peter Coffin, uh, and it's Peter Coffin giving commentary on a tweet someone else did. And the tweet someone else said, some anonymous person out there found out the reason I don't miss people, miss as in like long or you know have missed them recently, is because of ADHD. It really is out of sight, out of mind. And then Peter Coffin's commentary is, it's not ADHD, it's the commodification of and alienation and atomization as relatable content. This is a thing our economic reality has done to you. This is the ruling class eroding the human experience. You can make the same kind of comment about, like, Zoom fatigue. As a preface, I am in no way arguing that, like, ADHD is fake or that, like, mental health is that, oh, capitalism is just what we perceive mental. Like, mental health is a real thing, and you can have good or bad mental health. Kind of like anything else in the rest of your body, your brain is a part uh, of your body. It's not even so much, let's, let's rephrase that. It's not so much good or bad mental health. It's are you, are you managing you? is really what it boils down to. I'd like, let's remove good and bad from it. Are, are you getting by and are you okay with how you're getting by? Okay. In the same way you would refer to like your elbow health or your joint health. It's like, yeah, it's pretty good. Like it doesn't hurt. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I mean by good. Just coming off of having earlier in the show talked about essentially without saying it, essentialism, yeah. I wanted to like not say there is no such thing as like good and bad mental yeah, health. Not moral good, bad, but like how how much of an, like if you don't have to think about your mental health at all, yeah, probably, like, I would refer to that as uh, good <laughs> versus. Capitalism makes all of this worse because it makes every condition, the answer is you have to go spend money to deal with it. And we're not saying I am. I have mental health problems. I have been on various pills. I have seen many doctors, and I will probably be on more pills and see more doctors, especially for mental health things. But I agree with Peter Coffin in that our system exacerbates all of this and drives people to take a pill for a thing instead of it's symptom treatment. It is more profitable to treat a symptom than it is to cure what's going on, especially. When to cure what's going on is to overthrow capitalism. Pills that are con- like literally sold back to you in this case. This is th- this literally directly benefits uh, certain pharmaceutical companies, and even beyond that, it's not that, that. That's part of my big disclaimer here. Some of this, to a degree, is sold to us as like lifestyleism. It's like, ah, you live in complete misery. Well, guess what? I'm a lifestyle blogger who's about being miserable. Like, comment, subscribe. Like, it tries <laughs> to take the alienation, the the like Marxist alienation from your labor, the idea that you put in tons and 40 hours of week of work socialized labor into creating whatever product whether it be a freaking burger king burger or an iphone or you work at the GameStop and you're you know helping the video game industry whatever your work is you don't actually see benefit from it you don't actually feel connected to it and these create the marxist thing that is alienation the specific I, I, I say that to specify the, the just the general idea of just the adjective uh, the oh alienation like specifically the uh, related to your labor labor alienation like that is created by the economic system that we live in uh, the fact that you're paid absolute jack shit to do work for oh if the company succeeds I get the same money if the company fails I get the same money and they take that idea the alienation the just general misery you feel and want to commodify it turn it into something that can be bought or sold or made into content and then you watch people go man I sure am miserable after my work it's like yeah me too toast let's not change anything let's just continue limping on with our same shitty system fundamentally labor oh my god I just had the thought. Yeah, yeah. They finally figured out how to truly uh, commoditize support groups. They've been chasing this since they since AA happened. A bunch of people getting together and talking about their their struggles and then making a profit thing about like they basically turned AA into a money making machine. I, they they took it to a grander scale. I've seen ads for HR firms in air quotes. Uh, that you can hire as like a small business that promises to cover some of the kind of stuff that you just described. Like the way they're advertised, like, oh, we'll get people together so we can help and heal. It's like, no, you're a product that I, as a business (laughs) owner, can buy to shield myself from legal liability. Like that is what HR actually is. But the way it is commodified and sold to us is like, ah, we're all miserable at work, right? We're a company that kind of sort of deals with that. We'd love to sell you a solution to this. Whereas, and Dragger, I want you to join this conversation also, the idea of when you think about human labor and you go into, like, oh, well, everyone does has to do shitty work and they, like, alienation is just a part of being alive. And it's like, that's not saying that all work is glamorous, but if you are not 
alienated from your labor and your labor might happen to be literally cleaning toilets if you're not alienated from it you start remembering oh yeah people want clean toilets and that's like a function of a society and i feel connected to that labor and that fucking somebody's got clean toilets guess what i'm the clean toilet guy when the toilets are clean i benefit (laughs) when the toilets are shitty i do not bet like when you feel connected to the work (laughs) you are doing whenever you look at people who are doing work that if you described it objectively to someone it would seem like oh that seems miserable pulling out weeds digging a ditch that sucks it's like yeah but if your labor, if you feel like you're connected to helping something, if the ditch you dug, you know, is going to go to, oh, it'll irrigate the blah, blah, blah. And if you dug a nice ditch, you actually benefit from like, what a fucking good part ditch of, digger you part are. Part of my uh, exit interview from the obituaries place. So like a lot of that exit happened because they utterly fucked up uh, promises to me, promotions, internal management. They utterly fucking failed at that. And at one point, like at the very end, they asked... So was it just that for why you're leaving? And I said, no, I didn't join this company to put ads on a fucking obituary page. People feel entirely disconnected from whether the work they do helps their company they benefit, help doesn't, they don't benefit. When you, yeah. when you redefine labor into, like, wh- when you think about labor as what it is outside of the capitalist context, labor is just everything humans do. If you want to argue what is in human nature, I could argue that labor is it. You go back to ancient civilizations far before capitalism, and they're just like, oh, oh we made this cool pile of dirt <laughs> that we shaped it, yeah. into. It, no, it really is that simple. How many times have and i don't just mean kids i mean i've had this asked of me where i'm either at my desk or hell i'm outside someone walks i haven't said anything i haven't interacted with the group or what have you. it's like oh, hey dragor what are you doing I'm like ah stacking these rocks in a weird way because i have an urge to do something i don't know why i did it but it looked kind of cool and i stacked rocks hooray i didn't think too deeply about it humans by default do shit <laughs> Why do you think we have a society? It wasn't like we were coerced into doing it. We already were doing shit and we're like, uh, this grunting isn't getting us very far. I guess we should invent language. If you decouple labor from the uh, exploitative properties, like from profit, from all these other like business related things, labor becomes, it's just an expression of, of human existence it is like i work therefore i am a person like that's what humanity is all about not every species is like us we might encounter a species one day in the future that oh yes we have a civilized society and we we don't just like have the initial urge to just go around and tinker and fuck with things heck this actually fits into uh goofy ideals of of how like the federation and star trek works so like the federation is like the fucking yolo jackass crew of intergalactic yes, travelers yes. like yeah and they'll just do fucking anything they just flew their ship around a black hole to see what would happen <laughs> it's like yeah that's what humans <laughs> that's what humans are kind of like and if you could decouple that from like bp or exxon mobile making a buck off of it if you could just do the things you wanted to do because they both need to be done and you can benefit from them being the, done there you go that's the, what labor the, is <laughs> So there is there is a Spider-Man comic that I believe everyone has seen, and it's Spider-Man in front of some mad science person that has turned himself into a, a pterodactyl-looking type of thing. And Spider-Man's pleading with him. It's like, but you could use all of this. Inf- you could use all of your knowledge to cure cancer. 
and the pterodactyl guy responds, but I don't, I don't want, want to cure, to cure cancer. cancer. I, I want to, to turn people, people into, into dinosaurs. dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sync that up in the edit. <laughs> See, that's a pterodactyl I, I think... that is not alienated from his labor. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's the episode title. Now there's a pterodactyl that's not alienated from their labor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm writing that down. You're correct. <laughs> There's a pterodactyl who really knows where his towel's at. <laughs> Disney threat allegedly forced Oscars to pull categories. Uh, the quote from the article buried in the tweet is, The governor says he was told that ABC had warned the Academy that it would cancel the Oscars telecast via a clause in the Academy and ABC's deal for the Oscars broadcasting rights uh -huh. if 12 categories were not removed from the show. We were told we'd have to sacrifice something or we were going to lose the whole show. Damn, sounds like somebody owns the means of production. My my commentary for this is, so like, why, why does Disney get to flex like this? Because. Well, Disney owns ABC, Disney doesn't own the Academy, but Disney also has how much money and power? And its agents Possibly in the academy. The means of production are mostly owned by a certain entity in this case that gets to exert power over everyone else because they <laughs> own. So, in particular, a lot of people, you know, we've done it, we've talked about it in Bible study. A recurring thing is asking the question uh, uh, what, what is the labor? What, what are the the means of production when it comes to digital things, because a lot of those lines get blurred. And the reason I bring up this article in particular is because digital imperialism. Uh, the farther back you go on the internet, the less Google did everything, the less Facebook did everything. Uh, you see now Disney, the media producer, also owns ABC, also owns Fox, keeps buying and buying and buying things up. Uh, in a similar way, uh, Jeff Bezos owns a direct media outlet, and that media outlet bought Wordle. Why? They could make their own game. It's not about making their own stuff. It's about where people are spending their attention, and digital imperialism is also part of the equation. If you aren't continually taking, not just getting people to pay attention to you, but redirecting their attention that isn't to you towards you, which is why I say digital imperialism. They, they must expand to, it, to own every waking moment of your brain. Yeah, it's why Burger it's King... It's not just about the job. It's why Burger King might buy some random-ass burger place, and you're like, what the fuck? What was the point? It's like, oh, well, they just didn't want competition. You buy up competition, put them in the thing, but in a digital space, that competition, the fact that it is a, like, it's not a local blank, it's everyone's blank because of the way the internet works. Yeah. All right, so I pasted an image. It is a screenshot of a review. There is a game called Love Stories, Furry Shades of Gay. Uh, and it is a very gay, very furry game, I suppose. I haven't really looked. But the screenshot is of a thumbs down, not recommended. And the text says, I did not know Steam allowed my friends to see what I was playing. <laughs> now, the, the creator of the game, the developer, has the best best reply we thank you for your sacrifice 
so that's funny. However, yeah. uh, this is just a point. I don't care of, who you are. That's funny, right? A <laughs> lot of people do not pay attention to digital safety. When people talk about uh, being anonymous and all of that, that is very, very, very critical. And people don't care about it until, for the most part, it hurts them. For most people, it's oh, I wasn't careful with my passwords, uh, data breach. Someone's got my credit card number. I have to do a credit freeze. That could financially directly hurt you. In this particular case, while it certainly is better today, there are places both in the United States and all over the globe where if the wrong person saw you playing a gay game on your private account, that could be a threat to your life and livelihood. Yeah. We take it for granted that in the United States and on Steam, this shit can just be there. And even then, if you're in the wrong type of household or if you share your library because, you know, you're an adult on your own, but you want to share some of your games with your younger brother and then your parents see you're doing all this gay shit and all of a sudden they're not paying for your college anymore, that is an immediate negative life-changing impact to you. And it sucks that, like, you have to think about these things. As a person who lost state employment for being a little bit too gay in a state that, uh, does not offer even legal protections, let alone de facto protections against being fired for that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Sorry, uh, allegedly. No one can prove anything, and I'm supposed to never talk about this. Yeah. Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Who came over to this microphone and started talking? Anyway, I'm back. I'm, my name's Pepper, and... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know who that was, but was didn't you say you had guests with yeah, you from like out of state or out of the country or from some other planet? That's Repep, uh, the, my my twin. <laughs> 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 I have to pee. Are we gonna keep? Are we gonna, are we, are we gonna end it now and me pee or pee come back? No. <laughs> I mean that last one we ended sad because you know uh, real sad. world life consequence you suffered for uh, maybe being the gay. We're at war. Everything's fucking sad. <laughs> <laughs> we're at war again with a country that has white people in it so now we're paying attention <laughs> remember they they said the dog whistle right out there civilized, civilized european society <laughs> <laughs> fucking okay i want to have one i want to read one meme <laughs> about, all right about, well let's end on a meme let's do it <laughs> let me find it i gotta pull it up if you want to be a part of the uh, stuff that we share into our little group chat links in the Discord, become a patron. It's only a dollar a month. Uh, it's a good time. Okay, so it's the five stages of grief. <laughs> Stage one, denial. There are no neo-Nazis in Ukraine. You're just repeating Russian fake news and talking points. Slava, Ukraine. Ukraini. All right. uh, stage two, anger. Shut the fuck up, tanky. Shut the fuck up, tanky. Shut the fuck up. Right. Stage three, bargaining. Okay, maybe a few militias in Ukraine are neo-Nazis, but tankies are exaggerating just to justify the fact that they are Russian bots. Uh, stage three, <laughs> depression. Oh my God, they're using their civilians as human meat shields. So many dead civilians, all because they were trying to flee their homes. Could I be wrong? No, clearly this is Russia's fault. Russia forced Ukraine into this position. And then denial. Actually, Ukraine's neo-Nazis are far more civilized than the Asiatic hordes of the East. <laughs> as long as the actions are in order to fight Russia, uh, the ends justify the means. And that is to acknowledge the large, proud history of the capital W West treating a Slavic people like the, the Asiatic hordes of the East, like Russophobia. People are throwing that around, and I don't like uh, that's like a thing. People just seeing Slavic Russian people as like subhuman, they deserve to die. Fuck them, fuck all Kazakhs, like that kind of shit. Like that's been going on for 
forever. And it's really weird to see the U.S. just be like, let's do it again. Round 12. Fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Ugh. Don't support the death of people from a country because they're from a country. That's wrong, maybe. I feel that's an uncontroversial statement. Seriously, I'm I'm still a pacifist. The only place where, like, eat the rich. From from uh, you and Chris at BLFC, eat the rich and fuck the cops. That's about as aggressive as I'm willing to get. <laughs> okay. Don't kill people. Thanks for hanging out, but don't this is don't last minute politics. Don't kill people. <laughs> I am Pepper Coyote. I am Dragor. Never hire me for your fur coat. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>